Outer Banks. Honestly, that's enough said for anybody who has seen the show. And if you haven't seen it, like, what are you doing with your life? Do you live under a rock? Um, though this is the non-spoilery section, so I will give a little description for those of you who haven't. It follows John B. and his group of friends, Key, JJ, and Pope, affectionately known as the Pogues, as they search for the shipwreck of the royal merchant and the myth of $400 million worth of gold. And the show has literally everything you need to be amazing. It's a small town and all the drama that comes with it, with like a low-key corrupt police force and one really rich member of the small town that has way too much power and is way too corrupt and all of the class divisions of a small town and that everybody knowing each other and there being too many secrets but not enough secrets like it's just it's super small town there's an awesome group of friends a riveting plot and love stories and love interests and all of that dynamic and like honestly everybody should go watch it because I need season two like right fucking now and I need people to share this with and Thank you to my friend Marissa, who gave me a synopsis of the show twice, and after hearing a synopsis twice, I was like, I have to watch it, so I did, and I'm very happy that I did, but also very not happy because there was some emotional trauma in watching the show, but anyways, books, TV, music, and movies, all things that make a big impact on everyone. I'm constantly gushing about my latest read to anyone who will listen, so I figured I'd turn my rambling into something coherent that people will actually listen to, which means no to me out halfway through. I am Maya Ghosh, and this is my take. Okay, so obviously Outer Banks is a TV show, so there's not really writing that I can analyze, but there was a motif of like the North Star and that was a symbol and it kept coming up and it was reoccurring and kind of connected to a bunch of different things. So, I mean, yay me for saying something academic at the beginning of this, because I can promise you the rest of this will not be academic and it'll be a lot of feelings and screaming and yeah. Um... I'm going to take this character by character to try and give it some structure, um, and I think I'm gonna, I'm starting with John B, and I'm gonna put all of the plot stuff in John B's section, because all of the plot mostly revolves around him, and then I'll go through the rest of it, like, character by character, and my emotions about that character and stuff, and, like, significant plot points that happen just to that character will be in that character, but the overarching plot of the story is gonna be under John B's, but before I do that, I do need to say that I love California with all my heart and I'm so glad I grew up here, but if I had to grow up somewhere else, I really would want to grow up in a place like Outer Banks, even though it's got all the small town drama and the classism and all of that stuff. Like, I just love the fact that they drive boats around everywhere and everyone knows how to surf and it's like that water kind of town is like something that I really want to do. And, like, I really wish I grew up on a beach in California. Sadly, I didn't. Um, But, like, I'm so drawn to the water and the beach that I really wish I grew up in, like, an area like Outer Banks. Maybe without all of the, like, classism and corruption and murder. But the, like, vibe of, like, the boats and all that kind of stuff I love. So, now getting into characters and John B. Um, 
him in a sentence is this is my fault but it's our problem which is something he says in one of the episodes I don't know which but like everything that happens in the show is something that happens to him and it's his fault or something but it's a problem suddenly for like all of the pogues and all of the town which I guess is like true of many central characters like that's the role of the title character is to be involved in everything but still like the way just yeah it just describes him and the actor is like so not 16 probably because the actor's actually 27 but like they didn't even try to get somebody who looked 16 like most of this cast does not look 16 but I mean they're super hot so I kind of suspend my disbelief and I'm like like in my head they're like graduated not graduated from high school and like coming back from college or something because that's how old they look they look older than that some of them but John B was like hot so I don't really care I just felt like I had to make that point though that point is like all around the internet so who needs one more person talking about it um and like his voiceovers were so cliched but I mean we do love a cliche here on my take so it was okay but like of course he was a character that had voiceovers because like who else would he be you know um so yeah there's that in the beginning I did totally ship him and Key and I was super happy when they kissed and like sad that Key was like oh no pogues macking on pogues but then Sarah came around and I was like perfectly happy with the switch I mean And this is something I'll delve into later, but, like, I was conflicted in the beginning, but him and Sarah were just, they're so good together, and I love them, and it's so cute, and, like, they're actually a healthy couple, and so I applaud them for being a healthy couple as a couple of teenagers. Um, so yeah, there's that, and that is a point I'll be making plenty of times throughout this. Um, of course he's the one that dives down, and of course he's the one that finds the compass, and... The fact that the compass was, like, the last thing his dad ever did for him and, like, carving it out and stuff, like, that was really cool. But as it was described by either JJ or Pope as the death compass, that was really true. And so I was, like, very happy when he finally, like, relinquished control of the compass to Sheriff Peterkin because that was just, like, a lot. And him having the compass brought him no good luck. So I felt like I did have to mention the compass. And I felt really bad for him about, like, the whole foster care situation because, like, he was 16. He, in theory, should have been emancipated. And I felt like, why didn't he just get emancipated? And the fact that he had to struggle with this and he was, like, running from DCS and he, you know, jumps the fence and then, like, yells at the kids to stay in school but then yeets it over the chain and, like, Sarah, you know is cleaning his wounds and he's like whacking her hand away which that was very funny and like the whole I'm taking care of you when you're injured is such a like start to a romantic relationship from people who aren't romantically tied in the beginning so once that happened I kind of had to accept the fact that they were going to be a couple because of course they were and like of course they were going to sneak onto the barge and of course the place they were going to be in was super hot and he had to take his shirt off and of course they played truth because what other game would they play and then the shopping trip happened and that was like kind of really funny and their whole 
you know, secret identities of, like, Vlad and Val and, like, just the whole thing of them at Chapel Hill was great. And the way he, like, stood in the pouring rain on the pier to, like, declare his love and be like, I can't go back to, like, pretending and I need to be with you. And that was such a cliche. But what wasn't a cliche was she ran back and was like, yeah, no, I'm going to, like, cheat on my boyfriend and sneak around for you. Because most of the time... When somebody's, like, declaring their love, they're like, oh, sorry, whoops, can't, gotta, like, you know, be the perfect person. But I was proud of Sarah for being like, you know, we're gonna do it. We're gonna be a couple. And even though I don't condone cheating, Topper is an asshole. So, like, again, I condone cheating in this case because we don't like Topper. And despite, like, him and Sarah being a super cute couple, him and Key are still really cute platonically in the way that, like, he cares about her safety, and so does she, and when they were dancing at, um, the wreck and stuff, like, that was really cute, and so I liked them platonically as friends, and I did like Key and Pope at the end, and that is something I will get into later, um, and then, again, moving on with, like, the plot, of course, the gold is buried in the crazy lady's house that, you know, is rumored to have murdered her husband, and, You know that house is bad when JJ is so scared because JJ was like, oh my god, she's gonna murder us going in and nobody took him seriously, but, you know, shit went down in that house, and so yeah, I mean, but, like, of course the gold is buried on, like, the most inaccessible place of the island, and when they were, like, driving away after John B. initially got the gold, chanting full kook was just, like, it was peak happiness for the Pogues because... Sarah and Key had worked all their shit out, and they found where the gold was, and just everything was very downhill from there, like, maybe except for the fact that John B. and Sarah fucked after that, but, like, everything else was very downhill, so that part was just, it was peak happiness, and I was so happy for them, and it was so cute, and just, (sighs) and then, obviously, there's the fishing trip from hell with you know, John B. and Ward, and that fishing trip was never slated to be a good thing, and I was, like, obviously, we're all super sketched out about Ward at this point, and I just felt so bad for John B. that, first of all, Ward's psychotic and, like, you know, stabs himself with a spear so he can claim that John B. did it or whatever, but then second of all, that he goes to, you know, Scooter's wife and has to find out all of that stuff from Scooter's wife and finds out that Scooter's wife knew this whole time and didn't tell her or didn't tell him anything and stuff, and, like, that whole part just really sucked, um, and the part when the jet ski, like, ran out of gas, and he had to jump in the marsh with his cast on just gave me the heebie-jeebies as somebody who has been in a cast, like, you don't get that wet, and when he did, I was just, and I know that's a very minor point in this grand scheme of this thing, but, yeah, like, him having to get a cast what was gross and I hated that um and then him bringing the gun to Sarah's to try and like kill Ward or do something was not cool and then obviously Ward you know buying the property stealing the gold and shipping to the Bahamas was not cool and you know like the runway scene and all of that stuff like just This show was so many emotions, and it gave me so many, like, prison break flashbacks, especially when John B. was on the run, because 
there's so many times where he's like does this magical houdini escape from somewhere or whatever and that's like very prison break-esque so it gave me very many prison break flashbacks which was maybe why i loved it because prison break is one of my favorite shows but that is a point i had to make about like the prison break kind of thing and you know even with him like stealing the cop car and being able to get his gold like that was you know a really smart thing but also kind of like a prison breaky gimmick of like stealing the cop car and stuff I don't know um but like him being on the run like was crazy and then he like in the middle of being on the run admits to being in love with Sarah to Topper through a door of a laundry room that he's locked into which like I'm all for admitting you love someone but like that circumstance is not really the best and like you're admitting you love someone to the wrong person so there was that and then like the pogue goodbye scene when john b is getting on the phantom was not cool because like they just they all love him so much and they wanted him to be okay but you know he was going to mexico and leaving them most likely for the rest of their lives and it just it, like, broke my heart that they had to say goodbye, and then I was pissed at John B. for sailing into a fucking storm, um, because he had Sarah with him, and you only sail into a storm when you're doing it to only hurt yourself, and not, you know, your girlfriend that you supposedly love, but he did, and I was pissed, because you don't do that, you don't endanger the lives of others, you only endanger your life, but, you know, he did, so... We have to just move on and accept that they survived and are on a ship to the Bahamas and that's where we end season one because that's apparently a very appropriate place to end things, Netflix. (sighs) I have very many feels surrounding this ending, but I will get into them at the end of this podcast because I can't. It'll just be a rant that consumes me right now and I actually have like a really long outline of all the characters and thoughts and stuff so I need to get through all that before I talk about the ending but the last kind of like plot point that I want to talk about was the scene where the new sheriff tells the Pogues they didn't find John B and Sarah and they're crying and their parents show up and then JJ obviously doesn't have any parents that show up and so JJ is like you know hugging everybody else's parents and they're hugging each other and just that whole scene where they don't know and they didn't find, like, it just was so sad and so, I just, I couldn't imagine what I would be feeling, what I would do if I had to go through something like that, so that scene at the very end was just, it was, it was a lot, the ending was a lot, um, but yeah, we're not talking about the ending, we are moving on, from John B to JJ, who is nutso, but, like, I love him, and, you know, like, when he took the gun in the first episode, I was like, you know, I was mad, but also, of course, he took the gun, and, of course, he pulls it on top at the beach, and, of course, that starts a war, and just the amount of time somebody was jokingly threatened with that gun was not really fun, and I say that as somebody who's, like, never been around guns, but knows guns are not something you like joke around with so it just I mean the gun got them out of a lot of shit but it also got them into a lot of shit so you know I guess that's JJ he gets them out of a lot of shit he gets them into a lot of shit um and like his personality is just so funny like his dramatic reenactment of what happened when 
him and John B. initially went to Scooter's house. And the fact that he was going to try and shoot Pope free from the gate at the graveyard. And then, you know, he does shit like he takes the fall for Pope for sinking the boat, which was so good and sad at the same time because obviously Pope, like, can't get in trouble. And JJ is just... He is that person that I feel like is in every book where it's, like, from the wrong side of the tracks, known to be, like, a troublemaker kid but has a really good heart and really loyal to his friends. And so I just... I really love him as a character, and he's great, and I feel like he's a great friend. Um, And, yeah, and just, like... Yeah, JJ's great, and, you know, sneaking into Midsummer's to give the note to Sarah was very funny, and then, you know, he's getting chased out of Midsummer's, and just, like, his bromance with Pope was so real, and, like, the hug they share at Midsummer's really proves, like, just the love they feel for each other as friends, and the fact that, you know, how grateful Pope feels that he took the fall for him, and how you know, JJ's, like, not mad or anything and would do it again and stuff, and, like, it just, it's so good, and I was so mad at him when he spent the restitution money on the hot tub and all of that stuff, but then he just broke down, and I was like, oh, poor broken JJ, you know, like, there's just, it's a roller coaster of emotions when dealing with JJ, because you love him, and he's crazy and doing crazy shit, and then you hate him, because he's doing crazy shit, and I just have to put this in there, because, like, fuck his dad, um, for being, you know, an abusive asshole who wants to spend JJ's restitution money going down to Mexico or wherever the hell he's gonna go and live and stuff, like, and for being, you know, a drunk and an addict and all that shit, like, fuck his dad, um, but then I do have to mention the scene at the end where his dad's so strung out that, like, he hugs him and says he loves him, which is really sad, and JJ's, like, breaking down. That was an emotional scene, to say the least. Um, but still, like, fuck his dad for being an abusive asshole. Um, and, like, peak JJ is, like, his love for the phantom of the boat, and when he's like, oh, it's just a boat, JJ's like, she's right there, why would you say something like that? Or his line, when I'm mediating, you know we've hit rock bottom, because that's exactly what I was thinking about him mediating the fight between Key and Pope, which is something we'll get into later, but yeah, I mean, JJ's just, he's crazy, and he's great, and he adds so much to the dynamic of the pose, and I love him, and now moving on to Key, who I love as, like, a strong female character who takes no bullshit. She's mixed race, which I am, so I resonate with that, and I have some mixed race representation in my life. I love her activism, um, even though she does condone beach parties, which probably add to the amount of trash which is on a beach, but I'm sure she does beach cleanup, so, like, that's fine. Um, I love that she's so smart, too. Like, you know, she drops the net so that Scooter's friends, you know, don't continue chasing them and shooting at them, and a lot of times she's the only, like, voice of reason within the Pogues, and I love that because a lot of times girls are the only voice of reason in people's lives, so, you know, there's that. Um, I love that she's, like, always there with the guys, and she gets into fights and, you know, throws punches and stuff, and I love that she uses her kook power, too, when she can, like, when JJ's getting thrown out of Midsummer's, 
and she's like excuse me he was my guest I don't know why you're throwing him out like stuff like that where I'm just like I love Key she's just amazing and like her initial reaction to Sarah was not cool and especially like not cool giving John B an ultimatum walking out but I was very glad the boys did strand them on the boat and making them work it out and I was so happy when they became friends because I like love the two of them and I feel like Key needs some girls in her life because she hangs out with the crazy of John B, JJ, and Pope all the time. So having Sarah really did like balance stuff out. So I was very happy that she had Sarah and they worked it out. And just like, you know, she takes no shit from people and it just, Key is a great character and I love her. Um, I did, however, like hate her and Pope fighting at the end. And I was very glad that, you know, they made up and they kissed, which was amazing. I was so happy because once, like, John B and Key were no longer a thing, like, more than platonically friends, and they started, like, dropping the hints that, you know, J or not JJ, Pope was interested in Key, I was, like, completely here for it and, like, very ready for Pope and Key to be a thing. Um... Even though secretly I was like, I could see Pope and JJ as a thing, I was very happy that Pope and Key were a thing because they're so great together and just, they're amazing. And then in the last episode when she's like trying to break Sarah out of her house, I was so sad because obviously I thought Sarah wasn't going to get out. And the fact that Sarah did get out and get onto the boat was very happy and I was very appreciative of that. But um, just the scene when they're like talking through the window and everything was so sad. But yeah, I mean, I love Key, and she's great and amazing, and that's all I have to say about her. Now, moving on to Pope, who is my fucking spirit animal. Like, literally, Pope is me. He's such a nerd and totally, like, uncomfortable with all of this illegal shit and doesn't smoke. Well, until the end, and then, hi, Pope is crazy. But, you know, doesn't smoke, doesn't drink, is totally against, like all of these things, and just, he's such a nerd in every situation, and they have to abduct him from his dad to get him to come to things, which is something that my friends have done to me, and he just, like, has so many good lines in the show, too, like, he calls JJ an independent variable, which I love, and it's such a nerd joke, and obviously I'm such a nerd, which is why I love it, but, like, see, me and Pope are on the same, like, vibes, and he just, like, up and does calculations half the time to make sure they don't die like in the first episode or maybe not the first episode but the episode where John B is like diving down to get the compass out of the um is it a Grady whatever the boat was that Scooter drowned or yeah Scooter drowned in that boat whatever um like he just up and does calculations to figure out like when he needs to stop to decompress which I'm not that smart you know but I I appreciate Pope being that smart and I love him and you know I felt so bad when Rafe jumped him at the golf course because like fuck Rafe first of all and fuck Topper um and I will talk about them later but like all he's trying to do is his job and Pope's never hurt anybody so why are you gonna jump him like that is not fair don't jump him um and I was very happy when he messed with Topper's boat after that, but also very sad because it got him into trouble. But then, you know, JJ takes the fall, and I've already talked about that. Um, and, like, just, again, more of his smarts, right? Like, he realizes that the well is under the crane house because they're all getting bit by mosquitoes and, you know, 
mosquitoes are not like showing up in any place there's not water and he's so smart for realizing the gold was on the plane to the bahamas and then running out of his fucking interview too like i would not have the balls to run out of my interview even if i did know that gold was on the plane to the bahamas because that interview was his lifeline and speaking of his interview i love that he like stands up for himself to key before his interview and is like uh it's the most important night of my life it's my entire future i need to sleep and i love that like He's so into corpses and forensic pathology and is like, no, this is what I'm doing with my life. This is how I'm getting out of Outer Banks. Um, And yeah, I just, I love Pope. He's my spirit animal and he's amazing. And he's just, he's great. We love him. We need him. I need to channel more of my inner Pope and like go full Pope on most situations, I think. (laughs) Anyways, moving on. Sarah, um, my initial reaction was like, she's the good of the rich family because, you know, she's, like, walking into the boat with the wires, like, running through that they all think is live when it's really not to, like, rescue the toy for the little girl. And then I love that she did pretend to get electrocuted to make Topper scared because fuck Topper. So that was really funny. Um, And I was very glad that she didn't end up fucking Topper because I was really, like, not happy with that whole scene I just Topper's an asshole and I really didn't like like him obviously and I was very glad that she didn't like do that and that didn't end up being a scene because I really didn't want it to be a scene however like she did fuck John B even though John B doesn't want to like call it fucking like when Topper was having that conversation with him and he's like can you not use that word I was like really like what the fuck other word are you gonna use But anyways, um, I did, like, feel bad for her that most of Sarah's family is psychotic. Maybe, like, besides Wheezy, the rest of her family is psychotic. But I did, like, give her props for realizing her family was psychotic and not just being, like, oh, but they're my family. I have to, like, stick by them. She was, like, no, I'm gonna, like, not stick by my murderous dad and my murderous brother and I'm gonna stick by, like, John B., who I love and stuff. Like, I did appreciate her for that, um... And speaking of her and John B, they're, like, a really good couple because, I mean, first of all, they're adorable together. But also, like, you know, he's found a really good balance of, like, protecting her but, like, not smothering her. Like, when Rafe shows up after Barry is like, oh, you know, your sister stole from me. Like, he lets her deal with Rafe but he still, like, gets out of the car and is ready to, like, protect her if something's going down. Like, he has that balance of, like, being there if she needs it, but letting her fight her own battles, and, you know, he's not completely smothering and controlling every aspect of her life, like a certain Christian Grey, which is great, and, okay, the conversation they have about, like, sex and being a virgin in the bell tower is extremely awkward, but I appreciate it because, like, most TV couples don't have those conversations, especially, like, teenage teen teenage tv couples and so like even though it's kind of awkward to sit through I really appreciate the fact that like they're having that conversation and they're showing that those conversations are normal and setting a better example for like a healthy relationship in terms of what the media portrays I mean obviously I don't think it's healthy to like up and ditch your family even if they are psychotic and try and sail off to the Bahamas with your criminal boyfriend but before all of that criminality stuff, 
they're pretty healthy. I mean, nobody's toxic. It's not like her and Topper, you know, so that's good. Um, and I mean, even though after that conversation, she does like jump him, even though he's trying to be respectful, I appreciate that the conversation took place, you know? Um, so that's kind of all I have to say on them as a couple. Moving back to just Sarah, I was like very happy when she went to the police. Um, like, okay, initially I was mad, but then when she was there, I was like, okay, this is good. Because I thought the SBI officer was going to talk to her and, you know, maybe take her statement and consider her side of things. And then I was mad when she ran back away. Um, because, like, you got so far and the SBI agent was going to talk to you and stuff. Like, why wouldn't she just talk to him and wait and stuff? But then I also understand she thinks her dad's going to, like, pull some, you know, magic I'm Ward Cameron shit. So, there's mixed feelings around that. And then, just, like... I was really proud that she actually did meet John B on the Phantom and they survived together because if she had not met him and been caught up and stayed there, that would have sucked for him. And if she had met him and like had drowned, that obviously would have been terrible. I don't think I would have forgiven Netflix if something like that had happened. So I like that at least, even though the Pogues got separated, right? There's, you know, Key, JJ, and Pope are on Outer Banks together, and then John B. and Sarah are on the barge heading to the Bahamas together, right? So there's some solace in that. Now, moving on, this is going to be a quick fire of all the, like, minor characters that are in the book. So, starting with Topper, he's... Did I just say book? I did say book. Okay, minor characters in the TV show, starting with Topper. Um, he starts out, like, toxic, you know, riding on John B. for the scuba gear, and just, like, an asshole for most of the show and just like you know pushes John B off Eagle's Nest and causes him to have a concussion and a broken wrist and all of that stuff so we don't like Topper for that but then he does sort of kind of redeem himself at the end by wearing John B's clothes and letting them sneak out of the back and even though he says he does that for Sarah which I believe he does it for Sarah like it's kind of redeeming but also kind of not. There's a lot of feelings I have about this, and I don't know exactly where I stand kind of with Topper because had it ended without him doing what he did, I think I would have, like, really hated him. But because it ended with him doing what he did, I'm reserving judgment until I get a season two and see more of his character. I mean, okay, I hate his mom for pressing charges against Pope and getting, like, JJ into the mess of, you know, having to go to jail and have to pay restitution and stuff and I hate that he's like part of the literal definition of white elitist stuck up entitled privilege when he's like literally drinking and driving and thinks that you know he owns Sarah and Midsummer's this their freaking coming out party which like who does that anymore and stuff so I hate that part of him but he had a redemptive arc so like I'm okay with that you know we'll see how he acts in season two and what he does um so yeah now Rafe who like I mean okay at first I only hated him for being a jackass like drug dealer and then I hated him for being a jackass drug dealer and jumping pope and then you know he shot the sheriff and teamed up with Barry so it all kind of just went downhill from there and like he's as psychotic as his dad 
And speaking of his dad, Ward fucking Cameron, like, again, first I only hated him for firing John B. Then I hated him for being abusive to Rafe. Which, like, when you find out how psychotic Rafe is, it's kind of hard because you know he's only psychotic because Ward was abusive, but you feel less bad for Ward being abusive because Rafe is psychotic. Like, I don't condone child abuse, I swear, but Rafe is fucking psychotic, so there's that. Um, And then, you know, I hated Ward for being John B.'s legal guardian, even though we all knew he was shady. And then I hated him for the fishing trip from hell. And then I hated him for killing Big John because, okay, this whole shit could have been avoided, right? If Ward Cameron calls for help, says, you know, they were drinking and Big John hit his head, even if nobody freaking believes him, he's Ward Cameron. He's got enough money to pay off the police, pay for Big John's medical bills, do whatever, right? But no, he thinks he's dead and just dumps him in the water. Like, give the man a second to make sure, like, the body's actually cold before you're dumping it in the water. Jesus Christ. So, then I hated him because this whole situation could have been avoided, and, you know, you wouldn't have John B. and Sarah, who's your daughter, who you claim to fucking love, be trying to sail off to Mexico in a boat that's not gonna make it through a tropical storm. Um... And then, you know, after that, I just kind of hated him for being a general psychopath and, you know, claiming Sarah was bipolar when she was trying to talk to the police. And just, yeah, I was very happy when John B. through the radio was like, you killed my father and set me up for a murder I didn't commit because I'm holding out hope that season two, like, okay. No, actually, I can't. I need to get through, like, one last character and then I can talk about season two. My last character I need to talk about is Barry. And... Initially, I liked him for, like, beating the shit out of Rafe, um, but, you know, not beating the shit out of anybody else, and I liked that he was kind of minor, but also major enough to matter. He floated that line very perfectly of he grew to be a more major character towards the end, but in the beginning, he was minor enough that he wasn't a huge part of the show, but major enough that you remembered who he was, um, and, like, he's not too high up on the list of people I hate because obviously, like, Warden Rafe, and he's not, like, psychotic. He just has that dealer mentality and that gang mentality, so I don't blame him for his actions, really, right? Like, okay, yes, he holds up and sets up the crew of Pogues because he wants the gold, but, like, man's a dealer. Like, obviously, he's gonna do that, right? That kind of crazy behavior is more normalized, whereas, like, warden race crazy behaviors like crazy crazy behavior so like I did hate him at some points but I hated him less than I hated other characters and what was kind of sad was in the end in the last episode he's trying to tell Rafe that like you know whatever it is like you've done it's okay I've seen worse you know I was in the army and that was kind of sad that like he was in the army and now is like this strung out dealer so that was one thing where I kind of sympathized with him and I wish that that had been explored a little a little more, and I hope that if there's a season two, well, there better be a season two, first of all, but in season two, they explore kind of Barry's background a little bit more, because I feel like that army aspect would be interesting to play with. So, to wrap this up, um, I need a season two, 
because the ending was not allowed. Netflix, thank you very much. Like, you're not allowed to just stop with them on a boat to the Bahamas. Like, oh, that's where the gold is. Are they going to get the gold? We don't know. Are they going to survive? We don't know. What the hell is going to happen? And I believe my exact words were, because I take very extensive notes when I'm, like, watching TV shows that I know are going to be a podcast. Um, so this is a direct quote. OMG, what the hell kind of ending was that? The fuck? Um, no, you can't end with no resolution and no JJ and Pope and Key knowing they're okay. And what the fuck? I need a season two right this instant. Netflix, fuck you. Um, so yeah, those were my feelings. Um, obviously I had a lot of them. And like, really just going into episode 10, which is the last episode, I really wanted everything to just resolve in the first 10 minutes. So the last 40 minutes could be like happy fluff and you know, Sarah and John B going out on a date, and Pope and Key going out on a date, and the Pogues just hanging out, but no, we get this, like, fucking cliffhanger with nothing resolved, which is not fair, like, that's the thing I hate, is I'm okay if, like, a TV show resolves everything that happens in the first season, and then introduces a new storyline cliffhanger in season, like, the end of season one that's gonna lead into season two, but my annoyance with this was that they didn't resolve any of the storylines from season one like what if they get canceled that's really gonna hurt Netflix better not fucking cancel them now I did read like an interview a couple interviews about what's going on with season two and Netflix did approve them to start writing some of season two and there is an arc for four maybe five seasons so that gives me hope that there will be more of this and one of the guys um, who was writing it, did talk about how season two probably might have a couple episodes in the Bahamas, but eventually they'll return home to Outer Banks, which makes me think there's going to be a big time gap and that the Bahamas scenes are going to be more, like, flashbacky. So if that's the case, I do kind of hope that season two starts with John B. and Sarah returning to Outer Banks, and when they return, it'll be returning to, um, you know... JJ, Pope, and Key not in jail, and Pope and Key thriving in a relationship, and Ward Cameron and Rafe in jail, and actually Barry in jail too with them, and everything being returned to what's right in the world. Now, do I think that's gonna actually going to happen? No, because nothing is that easy with this show, but one can hope. So, yeah. That has been a lot, I know. There are a lot of feelings about this show. It's a lot. It's a very bingeable show. There's only 10 episodes. The characters are really great. It's just, it's amazing and everybody needs to watch it. And if you haven't watched it, what are you doing? So yeah, I have been Maya Ghosh and this has been my take on Outer Banks. Thanks for listening.